Good morning, everyone. It's the 27th of October, Friday morning. Hope you're having a good, ready, good, good, ready for the weekend. Mark is reading the Holy Spirit, Chapter 12. Arthur W. Pink is ready for Part 2. A dead man can neither see nor hear. True alike naturally and spiritually, there must be life before there can be perception. Spirit must quicken the soul before it be capable of discerning and being affected by divine things in a spiritual way. We say in a spiritual way because even a blind man may obtain an accurate idea of objects which his eye has never Beheld, even so the unregenerate may acquire a natural knowledge of divine things. There is a far greater difference between unregenerate man's knowledge of divine things, no matter how orthodox and scriptural be his views, and the knowledge possessed by the regenerate than there is between a blind man's conception of a gorgeous sunset and what it would appear to him or sight communicated he was permitted to gaze upon one for himself it's not merely that the once blind man would have a more correct conception of the creator's handiwork but the effect produced upon him would be such as words could not describe spirit's quickening of the dead soul and the newness of life lays a foundation for all his consequent operations once the soul is made the recipient of spiritual life all its faculties are capacitated of the spiritual exercises understanding to perceive spiritually the consequence to feel spiritually the affections to move spiritually and the will to act spiritually originally God's God originally God formed man's body out of the dust of the ground and then existed as a complete organism being endowed with the full set of organs and members but it was not until God breathed him, breathed into him the breath of life, Genesis 2, 7, that Adam was able to move and act in like manner of soul. The natural man is best with all these faculties which distinguished him from the beast. But it is not until the spirit quickens him that he is capable of discerning and being affected by divine things in a spiritual way. Once the spirit has brought one of God's dead elect onto resurrection ground, he proceeds to illuminate him. He proceeds to illuminate him. He proceeds to illumine him. The light of God now shines upon him. The previously hyperblind soul, comma, has, having been divinely empowered to see, is able to receive that light. The spiritual enlightenment. commences immediately after quickening, continues throughout the Christian's life and is consummated in glory. The path of the just is the shining light and it shineth more and more into the perfect day, Proverbs 4.18. We stated in a previous article, this spiritual enlightenment is not a mere informing of the mind or communication of spiritual knowledge, but is an experimental and efficacious consciousness of the truth. It is said 
and is that which is spoken of in First John two twenty twenty seven? But you have an unction from the Holy One, you know all things. The anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye not you need not that any man teach you. By this anointing or enlightenment the quickened soul is enabled to perceive the true nature of sin, hype and opposition opposition against God. Expressed in self, hype and pleasing by it, he discerns the plagues, play of his own heart, and finds that he is a moral leper, totally depraved, corrupt at the very center of his being. By it, he detects the deception of Satan, which formerly made him believe that bitter was sweet and sweet bitter. By it, he apprehends the claims of God that he is absolutely worthy of and infinitely entitled to be loved with all the heart, soul, and strength. By it, he learns God's way of salvation, the path of practical wholeness, the only one which leads to heaven. By it, he beholds the perfect suitability and sufficiency of Christ, that he is the only one who could meet all God's claims upon him. By it, he feels his own impotency unto all that is good and presents himself as an empty vessel be filled out of Christ's fullness. Divine light now shines into the quickened soul before he was darkness, but now is he light in the Lord, Ephesians 5, 8. He now, perceives that those things in which he once found pleasure are loathsome, loathsome and damnable. His former conceit, conceits of the world and his enjoyments he now sees to be erroneous and ensnaring and apprehends that no real happiness or consentment is to be found in any of them. The wholeness of heart and strictness of life which before he criticized Neely's preciseness or puritanic extremeness is now looked upon not only as absolutely necessary but as most beautiful and blessed. Those moral or religious performances he once prided himself in, in which he supposed merited the approval of God, he now regards as filthy rags. Those whom he once envied, he now pities. The company he once delighted in now sickens and saddens him. His whole outlook is completely changed. Divine illumination, then, is the Holy Spirit imparting to the quickened soul accurate spiritual views, divine thanks. To hear and understand is peculiar to the good hyphen ground here, Matthew thirteen twenty three. None but the real disciple knows the truth, John eight thirty one and thirty two. Even the gospel is hid from the lost, eleven first Corinthians forty four. But when a quickened soul is enlightened by the Spirit, he has a feeling and realization of the excellency of the divine character, spirituality of God's law, the exceeding sinfulness of sin in general and of his own vileness in particular. This divine work which capacitates the soul to have real communion with God, to receive or take in spiritual objects, enjoy them, and live upon them, it is in this way that Christ is formed in us, Galatians 4.19. Thus, at times, a Christian is able to say, Thy shining grace can shear this dungeon where I dwell. It is paradise when thou art here, if thou depart, tis hell. In closing, let us seek to define a little more definitely some of the characteristics of this divine enlightenment. First is one which gives certainty to the soul, enables its favored possessor to say, One thing I know that wherein I was blind, whereas I was blind, now I see, John 9.25. 
And again, keep that which I have committed unto him. I know who I, and again, I know whom I have believed and it persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Second Timothy 1.12. Later, Satan may be permitted to inject unbelieving and atheistical thoughts into his mind. It is utterly impossible for him to persuade any quickened and enlightened soul that God has no existence. Christ is a myth. The scriptures are a human invention. God and Christ has become a living reality to him. The more he appears to soul, the sum of all excellency, the more is he loved. Second, this divine enlightenment is transforming. Hearing it differs radically from natural knowledge of divine things, such as the un- Regenerate may inquire, may inquire intellectually, but when it produces no real and lasting impression upon the soul, spiritual apprehension of divine things is, a, is, is an efficacious one. Stamping the image, therefore, thereof upon the heart and molding into their likeness. We all with open face beholding As is a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord, Second Corinthians 3.18. Thus, the spiritual illumination is vastly different from a mere notional and inoperative knowledge of divine things. Spirit's enlightenment enables the Christian to show forth the praise of him who hath called him out of darkness and his marvelous light, First Peter 2.9. Third, this divine enlightenment is a spiritual preservative. This is evident from 1 John 2.20. Though to make it fully clear to the reader, an exposition of that verse is in the light of its context is required. In 1 John 2.18, the apostle had mentioned the many antichrists to be headed up in the antichrist, which were to characterize this final dispensation. Seducers from the faith were numerous even before the close of 1st century A.D. in 1st John 2.19. References made to those who had fallen under the spell of these deceivers and who had, in consequence, apostatized from Christianity in sharp contrast therefrom. The apostle affirms that you have an unction from the Holy One. And you know all things, verse 20. Here was the divine preservative. Spirit's enlightenment ensured the saints from being captured by Satan's emissaries. Apostates had never been anointed by the Spirit. Renewed souls are, and this safeguards them. The voice of a stranger will they not follow. John 10.5 is not possible. Fatally deceive one of God's elect. Matthew 24.24, 24, the same precious truth. It's found again in the first John two twenty seven, the spirit dwells a Christian forever, John fourteen sixteen. Hence the anointing he has received abideth in him and thus guarantees that he shall abide in Christ. Okay, we'll continue this tomorrow. Hope you all have a good well, we may not do it tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. Maybe Monday.